As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Keith Law, welcome to episode 57 of the Keith Law Show. Uh, my guest today is Jim Callis of MLB Pipeline. We're going to do a lot of draft talk today. Get used to it. The draft is less than three months away. It's actually further away than it feels like it should be given where we are in the calendar. But that's because the draft is later this year. Anyway, there will be a lot of draft talk coming up. I'm also going to do a draft mailbag next Monday. So keep an eye out for a tweet Monday morning. I will ask folks to submit their questions. It could actually be mailbag. You can actually submit questions on anything, but we're kind of in draft mode now. It's also opening day for the minor leagues, so maybe we'll have some questions on that as well. For folks who subscribe to The Athletic, I've had a lot of columns up recently. I worked with my colleague, Brett Guerrilli, who's been a guest on this podcast back in January. We wrote about the upcoming MLB Draft League and why the initial rosters have left a lot of front office executives and scouts disappointed. I also wrote a bit about the decision by Jeff Bradich to step down as the Colorado Rockies GM and what the franchise might do to try to get themselves back on the right track. Also, for folks who haven't already purchased it, thank you if you have, my second book, The Inside Game, Bad Calls, Strange Moves, and What Baseball Behavior Teaches Us About Ourselves, is now out in paperback. You can find it at many independent bookstores on bookshop.org or, of course, on Amazon. And as I said, if you have purchased it already, thank you very much. I greatly appreciate it. Now it is my great pleasure to be joined by my longtime friend, Jim Callis. Jim is now a senior writer for MLB Pipeline. He's one of their draft experts there. You can find him and should follow him on Twitter at Jim Callis with two L's, M-L-B. Jim, thank you so much for joining me. I'm glad to, Keith. And it's funny, it's like, I, I, I know I'm obviously getting older because we were talking off there about how all four of my kids are now adults, which is crazy. But have we known each I think we've known each other for close to 20 years now. Yeah, it's like, got to be like close Like pre-Blue right? Jays, like when you were BP, yep. were, were we in Tower Wars at one point together? Yeah, Maybe? that would make sense. I did yeah, that a couple like of early years. That's so where I first met Jonathan Mayo, actually, yeah. in like 99 or so. 98 or 99. Yeah. The funny thing about Jonathan, who I, who I obviously now work with right. is uh, I have no recollection of the first time I met him. He does. We, <laughs> met, at, we met at the college world series one year and I've been to, you know, 30 something college world series. And um, I honestly have no recollection of meeting him at the college world series. So oh, that's hilarious. Yeah. Oh, yeah I, you should I totally big league him next time you see him. Like, do we, 
Yeah. Have we met? Yeah, it's terrible. Yeah. It's terrible. He always gives me a hard time about that. <laughs> yes, yeah, so as he should, of course. Yes. Um, so let's talk draft. Uh, you guys, your MLB Pipeline does great, great work. Um, you've put out a couple of things recently. Let's start with your ranking. You've done a, you know, know, Jonathan did a mock recently. Let's start. You guys ranked the top 150 prospects in the draft class. I obviously have my own shorter ranking. I just ranked 50 so far. We need a hundred more, Keith. Yeah, clear. I mean, go with God on that one. The fact you have to find those guys in a year like this when we don't have summer and fall like we usually would have. It's, I, I don't envy you the challenge, but of course we have a lot of the same names up top. So, let me start with the, the obvious one. I think the one a lot of listeners want to know. You have Jack Leiter at one. I have Jack Leiter at one. What was your what went into putting him at one over, particularly over Kumar Rocker, his teammate at Vanderbilt, but also over Jordan Lawler, who you have at number two? Yeah, you know, and it's funny because we did that list. We we kind of finalized it two weeks ago, and mm-hmm. even a couple weeks before that, I did. You know, our, our place, like a lot of places, you can't do enough Leiter Rocker coverage. Like right. I, I think they're the most hyped, famous college baseball teammates ever. I, I don't even think it's close. Um, like like Garrett Cole and Trevor Bauer, you know, obviously it's easier to hype guys now with all the social media. We're not sure. hyped anywhere to near this extent. They, they were very good prospects, but pitch, you know, Pitching Ninja, I don't think existed in 2011. No. <laughs> Wasn't, you know, doing all these overlays and everything. So it, it's totally different. But what's funny, so I'd say it was probably a month ago now, I did a lighter versus rocker, compare and contrast who's better mm-hmm. and talk to, you know, scouting directors, assistant scouting directors, cross checker, you know, higher level guys. And it was 25 to three in favor of lighter, just a total landslide. Now at the time, lighter had, it was coming off the no hitter against South Carolina and then seven, no hit innings in his next start. And he had a really good third sec start and rockers velocity had been down. You know, he was kind of sitting 91, 92. And, and so it was landslide. And so then, Fast forward two weeks, we did our list. You know, Kumar was starting to bounce back, but like Kumar's stuff has really like gone back to where people expect it to be yes. since we've done our list. So at the time, lighter versus rocker was kind of easy. Mm. I think in general, I, I do prefer lighter because even though he doesn't throw as hard as Kumar, I, I don't, I mean, he just misses more bats in the zone by far with his fastball. He could throw his fastball by you in the zone at 93 miles an hour, whereas Kumar more gets you to chase his fastball at 96 up in the zone. Like if Kumar throws in the zone, even though he throws harder, I think he gets hit more than Jack Leiter's fastball. Um, you know, Rocker's got a better breaking ball, though Leiter's got a pretty good curveball. I just think Leiter's got a better changeup. He's got a little bit more command and polish. You know, the interesting thing's going to be, and I, and I wrote this at the time we did the, the comparison story, the biggest question for Leiter, who has gotten stronger and, and, and a little bit bigger in college, but he's still, he's listed at 6'1", 205, and Kumar 6'4", 255, is, is what's Leiter's stuff going to look like, you know, in the second half of the season once he's piled on some innings? Because he pitched... I think it was like 58 innings in high school two years ago and no summer ball. And then he pitched about 16 innings last year at Vanderbilt and no summer ball. And and we've seen the last two weeks, he gave up three solo homers two weeks ago. He gave up two homers uh, this last weekend against Mississippi state and lost. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that he's having a bad year, but his ERA has gone from like 0.5 to 1.5 in two weeks. And I, I think it's a lot closer than, than, than it is, you know, with Lawler, well, and I'll ask you this question. Say, so I would be tempted to take one of the shortstops over one of the pitchers. With yep. Lawler, it, it spooks me slightly that he was striking out at like a 20% clip against not real great high school competition, which yeah. kind of baffles people. Like, like, it's not like he's got a glaring flaw in his swing or he's swinging from his heels. But 
I, you know, I, I still believe in him and, you know, I, I, I almost might be tempted to take Marcella Mayer over any of them. I mean, I, I think to me, they're all very close. If I were drafting today, again, just because Jack's gotten a hit a little bit the last couple of weeks and it makes me wonder exactly, you know, how is this stuff going to hold up a little bit more? I might lean Lawler, but like, I, I don't, I mean, have you sensed Keith, when you've talked to teams, I don't think teams it's, this isn't one of those years where everybody's like, Oh, it's clearly Jack Leiter. Now a month ago, it was, I think to a lot of teams somewhat clearly Jack Leiter at the time, but with the caveat we have to see, but, but if you, I mean, are you getting from teams? I, I don't think any of this, I, I think there's so much to be decided yet. I think, I think there's two answers to that. Sort of what, what if teams have as their own pref lists and what do people think Pittsburgh's going to do? Everyone thinks Pittsburgh's taking a college guy. Yeah. Not necessarily who that is. Like I heard one guy, so I was pretty sure it was going to be lighter. But of course, at that point, Rocker was, as you said, in that yeah. kind of a trough, right? How could you, at that point, if you had said, no, no, you should take Rocker. When we both did our list, when, when you know, Jonathan and I did ours and you did yours. Yeah. I think, you know, like I said, when I did the head-to-head comparison, it was 25 to 3, which, <laughs> I, I mean, was extreme. But like, I mean, Jack was pitching so well and Rocker was, I mean, lighter was pretty much throwing harder than Rocker for a couple yep. of weeks too. Absolutely. The other thing that I did here, so after I saw Henry Davis a couple weeks ago, a couple weekends ago at UVA, and he played out of his mind. He made two outs in 10 PA. And I just sort of threw out there, like, why isn't he getting discussed higher? And I got all kinds of response. You know what it's like. You put something out there in the world and people say, you're crazy. Or people say, actually, I kind of like that idea. Right. And I got kind of all of that. And you guys have Davis at seven on your ranking from a week ago. Where do you think he ends up going? This is different from sort of where he's ranked, but as a college catcher with performance and just knowing how teams are kind of generally high school averse up at the top levels of the draft. Do you think he goes maybe seeing the top five, maybe even in a more exclusive area than that? Yeah, I think he could. I mean, and what you're leaning to, Keith, is right. Like when you do your list and we do our list, we're lining them up based on how we perceive the talent to yep. be, you know, we, we try to reflect the industry consensus to, to some degree. It's not, okay, this is how they're going to get drafted. And, and, and you're right. Catchers get pushed up the draft, you know, especially, you know, not so much in the first round if you're a high school catcher, but you know, catchers get pushed up the draft. I mean, teams want to draft college bats at the top of the draft. And yeah. most of them are having, most of the best guys this year are having bad years. Um, so there really aren't that many college bats to take. You know, I think, the question with him is, well, there's two things. One, you know, how good of a catcher is he going to be? He's got great arm, great mm-hmm. arm, you know, at least a seven on the two to eight scale, yep. but he's not a very good receiver. And, you know, on one hand, you'll hear, oh, we're getting automated strike zone. It doesn't matter. I'm not talking about framing. I'm talking about receiving. Like he drops multiple. I, I don't know what you saw the weeks you, you, you saw him, Keith, but like the, the scouts I talked to, like he drops a lot of balls behind the plate. And even with automated strike zone, you're going to have to be able to catch the ball. You, right. you, you can't be dropping balls. So if you, if you, if you think if you're all in there, okay. And then, you know, and I think he probably winds up being a fringy to average catcher, which you, you live with because of the bat. Um, but, but then the other dilemma to me is when you have a guy, like if you're going to take him at the top of the draft, like we, we put scouting grades on these and they're, they're all, you can obviously debate a lot. We went 55 hit 55 power. Let's say you go six hit six power, which would be, I don't know, like a 280 hitter with 25 to 30 home runs. Mm-hmm. If you, so you're all in on Henry Davis and you want him. Well, he's probably not going to hit 280 with 30 home runs if he's catching 100 games for you in a year because he's going to be all beat up. It's going to take all. So you you get into this 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 kind of conundrum with these catchers who are really like kind of like with Tyler Soderstrom in last year's draft. If the guy's athletic enough to play another position and he's 
an okay catcher, but not a, a, a strong catcher. Do you want to have like so-so defense and take away from the bat or do you want to just maximize the bat? And, and so then if you're doing that with Henry Davis, you know, and you know, how high do you take him? So I, I think everybody's still trying to figure all that out. I mean, I, I, I personally, and I don't know about you, Keith, I, I would rather maximize the offense or rather than take extra time to get the guy, the big leagues, you know, Austin Wells was a guy from last year's draft um, who, who's like that. You know, I mean, Davis throws really well. He, he, he runs fine, you know, felt below average, but good for a catcher. I, I think you could easily put him in the outfield and maybe even third base. And I, I would just do that and maximize his bat, but well, long winded answer. But again, he's, I think right now, clearly, you know, I, I think he's ahead of like South Frelick and, and, yeah. and Kowser is the best college bat. Um, and I think he's a better catcher than Del Castillo, who, who's not having, you know, the year that we thought he was going to have the, the Miami catcher. So, I mean, if Henry Davis wound up going number one, it would not blow me away. And if Pittsburgh were to do that, conceivably, they would save a little money relative to what it would cost to take Leiter or Rocker, or I guess Lawler, even though that's not likely to happen. And then they pick again at the top of the next round and they could potentially do something where there is some, there's some interesting high school pitching out there. I don't think the top of the high school pitching board is that great. Um, which kind of leads into my next question, but I think there's plenty of depth in high school right-handers. You guys had Jackson Job at six overall. In the last two years, we have not seen a high school pitcher go in the top 15 of right. the first round. I think it was 16 last year and maybe 17 or 18 the year. I think before. it was have been 15 and 18, but yeah. It maybe was, 15 it was and 18. 18. Okay. Yes. So right around there. Do you think, and again, I know your ranking is a ranking. Yeah. That's where you think he belongs on merit, regardless of where he's taken. Uh, do you think that a two part question, do you think that that was the beginning of any sort of trend of teams steering away from high school pitching? And do you think Job is better than say Mick Abel, who was the first high school pitcher taken last year or Quinn Priester first high school pitcher taken two years ago, both of whom have looked very good so far in limited time in pro bowl. Yeah. Um, I don't know if it's a trend. I mean, I, I think teams like for years have been a little skittish about high school right-handers in general, just because, I mean, there's more injury risk with a high school pitcher. I mean, everybody, it seems like all pitchers get hurt, but like the high school pitchers are young. Typically, uh, you know, the guys, the high school pitchers who are the most attractive throw really hard. And we keep seeing like Hunter Green, who super athletic, clean arm action, throws a hundred easier than any high school pitcher ever. And he blew out real quick. Like I, I just, I'm not a doctor, but uh, you know, I just don't think, arms are built to throw as hard as they do on a consistent basis. And when you have young guys throwing hard, they tend to blow out, but, but those are the guys we get all excited about. Um, so I don't know if it's, it's a, it's a trend. I, I do think Job is more highly regarded than those guys were Priester and, and, and Abel. Um, you know, whether it's like, if you asked me, cause we have him ranked six. So if that was the over under on where he goes in the draft, I would definitely take the under because I, I don't, I think, you know, I, I would err that he wouldn't go as high as Ryan. I don't think the top high school pitcher ever goes as high as you were. Like we had Abel. I didn't know we had Abel higher than 15, like maybe 12 or 13 last year. And I know we had Matt Allen, who's also looked good, but slid till the third round ranked 11th and, and Priester went 18th two years ago. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, Job, if you want to make an argument, I'm not saying he'll go ahead of Kumar Rocker because he, I don't think he will. If you want to stack him up against Kumar Rocker, you can make the argument that he he throws maybe a tick le- tick or two less velocity, but the fastball plays just as well or better than Kumar's. Everybody talks about you know Kumar's wipeout slider, which for the most part is I mean we're nitpicking here is a chase pitch. 
Job's got a wipeout slider too. It's a low 80s pitch. The spin rates are over 3,000. It's got two plane depth. I think he commands his slider better than Kumar's. He's got a better changeup than Kumar. He's really upgraded his changeup this spring, and he's actually throwing it to show scouts he has it when he doesn't need to. Um, I think his control is as good as Kumar's. He's not as physical, but he's super athletic. I mean, this guy's a, a prospect, not nearly as much as a as he is as a pitcher, but he's a prospect as a shortstop. You could argue if you were just grading out the various categories that you can make a case for Job over Rocker. Although I don't think there's any chance Job will get drafted ahead of Rocker. Yes, I agree with that. I agree with everything you just said. I actually would say I haven't seen Job in person based on what I've heard and video. And I did see Kumar Rocker in person in high school. I think Job is ahead of where Rocker was at the same age, right? Rocker is a high school senior versus Job is a high school senior. Job, I think, has better stuff and probably a little bit better, maybe better control. I'm always wary on high school command because – it's just such a negative. Who are you thing, facing? Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yesterday I saw a kid in North Jersey who pitched great, a kid named Sean Hard. He, it was great. It was totally worth the trip. But it was like, those were high school strikes. Like, let's yeah. be honest. It was great. Good for him. He's going to, he, if he wants the money, I think he's going to get paid. But those were definitely high school strikes. That's high school control that is not necessarily double A control. They're two very different things. Well, in high school, if you throw 90, which is a below average fastball now. But if you throw 90, just throw it down the middle, how many guys are really going to even be able to hit it? Like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's like you don't have to worry about it. Most of the opposing hitters were shorter than I am. So yeah, it was so there like, you go. Yeah, it's the level of competition does matter. Um, let me throw a couple wild cards at you sure. too, and feel free to add some of your own. I, you know, we have the same kinds of conversations. We talk to probably some of the same people too. And the, the two college pitchers whose names come up as in sort of what do we do with them? Sam Bachman, who's been electric but missed a couple starts with a some kind of sore but not serious shoulder yeah uh, and he just threw seven innings the other day so he seems to be fine and ryan cusick who might have the best pure arm of all the starters in the college starters in the draft but limited track record guys have delivery questions guys have command questions where do you think they end up falling in terms of a general range because i think if you're just going stuff if you ignored everything else they go in the top 10 pretty easily but that's not probably not how it's going to play out I think I'd say, like, if you told me, like, I think when Jonathan did our first full mock, we, we kind of alternate. He did the first one. He accused it going 10 to the Mets. I mean, I kind of feel like 10 would be the upper end. Like, like, cause as we both know, it only takes one team. If there's a team that's all in on a guy, it doesn't matter what the consensus right. is, but I, I, I feel like they probably go more 15 to 25. I mean, you know, I had, I've had scouts have seen Bachman hit 101 with a, top of the scale slider at his best. Like you said, you know, like I, I think the official word is, you know, not a severe problem, but he wasn't recovering as well as they liked. So they, they gave him a couple of weeks off, but the stuff's been great since he came back, but he's six one and he's kind of slingy and people don't love the delivery. So like, even though he's got, I mean, just, you know, nasty, nasty stuff, you know, that works against him a little bit. And, and to be fair, you know, I think guys like him who, who come from a, a smaller conference are hurt by not having a Cape league last year. You know, I use the example of Nick Gonzalez going seventh to the pirates last year. And Nick Gonzalez led the NCAA in hitting as a sophomore. He led him in home runs during the shortened season last year, but he was playing at New Mexico state, which is a launching pad and the ball flies. And he doesn't go seventh. If he doesn't go to the Cape and win the MVP award to be one of the best hitters in the league with wood bats. And the Sam, you know, the Sam Bachman's and everybody else didn't get to go to the Cape last summer. Like if I think if Sam Bachman had gone to the Cape and shown this kind of stuff and dominated there, Sam Bachman would probably be being talked about as a top five, top 10 pick. 
imagine if he'd gone there and closed. Like, remember, I'm dating myself, but you'll remember. Brandon Morrow was a closer yeah. on the Cape and was hitting 100, maybe 99 or 100. He ended up going to the top, then went back to Cal, started, yeah. ended up going to the top 10. Yeah. Like, Backman's that kind of guy. You, you'd, you'd feel comfortable like that. And then, you know, Cusick. Yeah, you know, Cusick, I mean, he throws hard. I, I've had guys who've seen him up to 102. You know, his, you know, he, you know, the, the key for him this spring has been he, he never had great feel for spin in the past. He's come up with a solid curveball that shows flashes of being a plus pitch. It's not consistent strikes. Um, it's not high effort delivery, but, you know, it's 6'6, 235, big body. Um, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I think you could say reliever risk on anyone if you, you know, if you want. Yeah, sure. I just like you could say, oh, I think that guy's going to blow out, and you're going to be right more often than not. Right. But you know, I, I just think you guys like Gunnar Hoglund of Ole Miss, who missed a start this weekend, and um, and Ty Madden at Texas are a little bit more polished. So I think they go behind them. Um, but I'd say that 15 to 25 range. Although again. Uh, you know, if those guys go in the top 10, like th- th- this ref's still very wide open just because of all the uncertainty coming off the pandemic year and the fact that we have an extra month before we have the draft in July instead of June. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24 7 US based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I think one of the other variables there is the staggering of the high school schedules. I was just talking to someone earlier today who said, oh, the shortstop in North Carolina is really coming on. That's Khalil Watson. You guys have ranked at 11. I think I had him ranked right about at the same range, actually. But he hadn't played a game before either of us put out our rankings, which because North Carolina pushed everything back. I think I'm looking at the date. I think yesterday, day before we record this, was actually his first game, first official game. He played scrimmages and they've been practicing. Yeah, they might have done some scrimmages. But yeah, and I, and I honestly, I think North Carolina has compressed their season to like two games a week for seven or eight weeks. It, it's yeah. a very compressed schedule. You know, if you're a private school or you're playing at like one of those baseball academies, you know, you could play. But yeah, it's 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 been, uh, you know, like. You know, even Marcelo Mayer, I mean, he got, I mean, I think he's only been playing for about a month and he's in California. I mean, you know, when, when does that happen where California is one of the last states to start high school baseball? Right. Yeah. It's been, I think, I feel like that is also, even though as I talked to guys earlier today, it was, oh, this team's on this player, this team's on the Brady House's name's coming up a lot yeah. now in the top 10. I mean, we knew he might go in the top 10, and now it seems like, well, if the draft were today, he would definitely go in the top 10. Okay, great. But also, I'm looking at my, I'm looking at the calendar and like we, you know, we still got two and a half months left, and yeah. Watson's barely started, and I can never. Josh Hartle's at the kid over towards. And he Hartle had an appendectomy, I think, so I don't know right. if he's pitching yet. You I know, don't think he's pitched. Yeah, I don't think he's pitched in a game yet, and so he should at some point be able to. I mean, it's better for him. Yeah, but 
still that it just it's so hard to calibrate. We're at a point in the calendar where in previous years you and I would be hearing a lot of dope basically on oh, yeah. these teams on this player. And now it's this year, it's like, well, we can have that dope, but at the same time, a bunch of these guys have just gotten started. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, like, you know, usually so like in a normal year, we'd be like six weeks from the draft. Right. You know, like there's high like I think Florida's kind of on a normal schedule. So Florida would be kind of wrapping up. I think Arizona's kind of wrapping up in terms I think of Alabama's high done. Yeah. I think they finished this week, maybe. Yeah, the, you know, a lot of that stuff, you know, and, and and we'd be you'd be at the point where like I'll do my first mock, not this week, but next week. Um, you know, because Johnson just did our last one, or my my first full mock, and, and it's still too early to to like say this team's on that. Like you said, like maybe at the top you can have you hear some rumblings, but nobody yeah. knows yet. Like e- even if we got Ben Charrington on here and administered him truth serum, and he he had to tell us the <laughs> truth, I don't think they have any clue who they prefer right now. Like you know, the, or it could it's evolving. You know, like it, it's nowhere, you know, clear decision. Like we're talking about with Lighter versus Rocker. A month ago, it was a landslide in favor of Lighter. In the last two weeks, Rocker's outpitched him. So, yeah. um, I mean, this stuff's going to change. And the one thing I do wonder about, and we'll see, you know, like I was talking a little bit about this with Jack Lighter. So many college pitchers barely pitched last year. So, you know, you, some pitched summer ball, but it was sporadic. Are we going to have a bunch of college pitchers hit the wall at 75 innings in May, and all of a sudden guys are going to, tired arms and missed time or guys are going to be down three, four miles now. I mean, you see that in a normal college year anyway, because these are right. younger guys. They're not all, you know, physically strapped and, and, and so you may have guys worn out by early May. And then all of a sudden everybody's, you know, teeing off on all these pitchers everybody liked. Well, what if that's what happened to rocker, right? Cause he bounced back. He's fine. He's, yeah. it looks like he's fine. I, I sort of speculated at the time. It could just be some mid season fatigue that we're not used to because we have no precedent for this. And that could he happen. He didn't pitch what if, summer ball last year. Right? What if yeah. that happened to Bachman? Bachman's completely free. You know, we don't really know until close exactly. to the draft. But it, that could absolutely be what it is. And I'm trying to keep that in my own mind, too, to be more forgiving. Whereas normally it'd be like, oh, he missed two starts with a shoulder something. That's terrible. We should be very – no, actually, this year it could it could be terrible. Could Obviously, it could always be terrible. <laughs> but it could be fine. And we should be more open-minded about that because no draft class has gone through what this draft class, and thinking specifically of the college pitchers, has gone through in terms of barely, what was it, four weekends last year, most of them not pitching the rest of the year. And now, oh, by the way, kids, go out and make 13 starts again this year. Yeah, well, yeah, and it's funny, too, because even though he didn't suffer, he, he suffered from the pandemic because the season got canceled. I just looked back last year at Garrett Crochet, Keith, and we had Garrett Crochet like sixth or seventh on our list coming into the season. Mm-hmm. You know, he, I mean, which was, it still felt weird, but everybody's just raving. This guy looked unbelievable in fall practice. And like, of course it's fall practice, but he's just carving guys up and throwing great. The stuff we saw in the big leagues, he was doing in fall practice. And he came out and he had, I think it was like a, I don't know if it was a lat or upper back or yeah, shoulder. They said a back injury, but I think. You, you, yeah. you even heard different terminology depending on you turn to. But yes. I honestly think that what happened was, is it was minor and Tennessee was going to have its best team in a long time. Tony Vitello's mm-hmm. done a nice job rebuilding the program. And I think they just looked at it like, you know what, rather than have him come out here and he's not hundred percent and pitch against our non-conference schedule, let's get him ready for the sec. And in a normal year, he, that would have been the story. He would have pitched, you know, assuming he showed the stuff he did in the big leagues, he would have destroyed the sec and Garrett Crochet would have been a top five pick. It, you know, maybe even higher than that, but because he only pitched once before the pandemic came, boom. And I think teams discounted him. Same th- type of thing, different circumstances, but like, Hey, we didn't get, you know, 
like, you know, what was going on with his shoulder? We only got to see one. And I don't even think a lot of guys got to see his only game last spring. Cause I think he threw midweid right before the, like the pandemic unscheduled relief yeah. appearance. John I think announced. they almost, I think they almost got him in because the pandemic was coming and we were starting to get word that things might get shut down and they threw him out there so he could get a game in. But it's the same type of thing. You can't, you, you like you said, you don't want to read too much into a situation and walk away from a, a pretty talented guy. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Where do you think Judd Fabian ends up? He was in your preseason top 10. Uh, I did not do a preseason ranking. They, they played a little bit. By the time I did my first ranking, he wasn't on my top 30 at that point. And a lot of Florida fans, especially with the wild why isn't Judd Fabian on there? But he hasn't been very good. And I'm not really sure what to make of him or if there's a point where he says, I'm going to do it. Does he go back to school and just try to have a better season next year? It's, it's tough because, you know, he's younger than your typical junior because he graduated early. He, he, his freshman year would have been his senior year in high school if he hadn't graduated early. So he won't be 21 until late September. So he'd be more in position to do that. And, yeah, you know, it's, it's tough because he's not having a good year. I mean, now that said, he's played better, a lot better in the last, I think, three or four weeks. He went through a stretch like where he kind of bottomed out. And I'm looking at this. He struck out 16 times in a five-game span. Um, his strikeout rate was up at 40%. And I, and I remember a couple of years ago, I really liked Jaron Kendall, Keith. I really liked mm-hmm. Jaron Kendall at Vanderbilt. Best athlete in the draft. Yep. And, and people were like, you know what? His strikeout rate was like 23 or 24%. That was concerning. And my attitude was, you know what? He might strike out, but maybe he's like a Mike Cameron, low average, but power, speed, defense, good player. Dodgers got him. I thought it was a steal. And, and he's been terrible in pro ball. Yes, he and, has. And that was, <laughs> people were running. People were a little afraid because he had a, well, not a little bit. People were concerned he had a 24% strikeout rate. Judd Fabian was at 40% like after the first <laughs> couple games in April. And so you like, I kind of talked myself into 24%, like, yeah, you know, that's okay. You can't talk yourself into, you can't talk yourself into 40%. Now, now that said, and again, I'm being selective here, trying to make a case for Judd Fabian. Yeah, of course. I think he struck out nine times his last 14 games, which is much more palatable. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm doing the math in my head here. It looks like the strikeout rate is down around 30%. So like he's, he's play, but it's still like more than 23 or 24%. And, you know, he's never really hit for average at Florida. I mean, he does have 14 home runs now. I mean, he's, he's heating up with home runs. You know, he, he hit, you know, he hit well in the Cape two years ago. And so people remember that. I, I, I think Keith, again, it's so weird. And when I have conversations with people, the old chestnut, if the draft were today, it's so goofy because we have so much less history and the drafts further away than usual. I think if the draft were today, or I'll say this differently. By the time the draft comes around, assuming, that he's right at the ship. He's not tearing up. He's hitting home runs. He's not striking out every third at bat. I, I bet he goes in the first round somewhere because he's got tools. I mean, he's he's on pace to have this 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 crazy year where, I mean, he's going to hit, you know, about twenty five homers and strike out a hundred times right. <laughs> in college, <laughs> which is crazy. Um, so I, I think, you know, in the end, I mean, the bat's going to be concerned, but he's going to show you everything else. And I don't think he's going to go at the top of the draft. But I bet he like I, I, my, if I had to guess today, I'd say in the twenties. How about you? He, he's a tough one, though. He is a tough one. I, trust me, that's why I asked you, and that's why I let you go first. 
Or you tell me where you think he's going, then I'll give you another one. I've had guys say they think he goes back to school next year. I don't think he's going to do that. I don't think he's going to be, you know, there's a chance he could go back and be much better and make a lot more money. But given what's been wrong with him um, in terms of his approach, I one, I think he's not going to be that inclined to go back to school. And two, I think given the tools, the evident power, someone will take a shot at him. My prediction a week or two ago just to a friend on the phone uh, to a scout friend was he's someone's second pick someone yeah, gets like him in the comp round that was exactly the comp that i made and you know christian franklin to me is a little bit of a similar player where franklin's you know it's also pretty tools a little more on defense but he also kind of strikes out a lot and like yeah there's, there's isaiah thomas at vanderbilt where the profile is different but at the end of the day these are all guys who strike out a lot and have teams really good that. tools Right, and stri- they're striking out a lot, especially in the SEC. When you're striking out a lot in conference, cons- you know, in theory, that's the best competition you're facing. Certainly, if you play yeah. in the SEC, it is. But there's a place for all of those guys. I don't know exactly where, and those guys aren't necessarily all going to go bang, bang, bang. But to me, they are like the Cam Meisner All Stars of this year, where they're not non prospects. It's just that's that one thing, that one variable that you talked about, the strikeout rate, is so significant in the minds of, I would say, both scouts and analysts, that it yeah. is going to push some of those guys down the board. And may, maybe one of them goes in the 20s. Maybe Fabian goes in the 20s, and like Thomas and Franklin and Justice Thompson at UNC all go like 30 to 50 instead. Yeah, Thompson will be interesting because he has like really no – I mean, that, that Virginia series he had where he looked like Byron Buxton, one scout told me. Yeah. <laughs> but like he just doesn't have a track record playing like. But the guy I was going to ask you about kind of the same vein was, was uh, Alex Benellis at Louisville. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I don't know what you just had saw. in your preseason list, but we had him, you know, like, I think he was ninth on our preseason list. Okay. Um, and he was hitting 173 a month into the season. He's up to 259 now. He was striking out a lot. He, he has caught fire as of late. You know, they had their, their last series was canceled, their last conference series against Pittsburgh, but six homers in, in his last eight games. But he's moved from third base to first base. He's not looking very good at first base, and people weren't sold on third base to begin with. Where do you think Alex Benellis goes today? Yes. So I just saw him. I saw, yeah. I guess, what was his last actual series, right? Because Virginia was it's the last Virginia, time. Yeah. Actually, yeah right. I pulled up his stats. I'm like, why didn't he play? And the, and the Pittsburgh series got canceled. Yeah. I'm glad you asked because I think I think he's really interesting because he, he was playing first base. He's not very good at first base. Um, he's not that athletic. He swung and missed at five straight fastballs to open that Virginia series against a lefty. So left on left. And then the sixth one was a missile. And he did it again the next night. And it's like, you can't walk away from that kind of, it was power. And there was some, it's like, it's not like his bat is slow, but that his timing was atrocious. And obviously left on left, it appears to be some kind of an issue for him. But if you look at his season on the whole, he's not actually striking out that much. It's that he's just not doing much when he puts the ball in play. It's like he puts it in the seats or he's hitting a weak ground ball somewhere. And that's a different profile to me than the group of guys we just talked about who are all like Fabian and Tom. Those guys are athletes. Benelis is a bat. And if he doesn't – hey, he's hitting 259 on the season. I don't have the conference stats in front of me. I'll take a – see if I can find him in a sec. But like like Del Castillo you mentioned earlier, if Del Castillo is – my people don't think he can catch. And even if you do think he stays there, he's not very good. You better hit. And these guys are not hitting like they're supposed to. And to me, that pushes you That pushes you right out of the first round. Like nobody is taking yeah. a bat first guy who didn't perform in the platform year. And back to your point, which I think is such a salient one, no summer. No one can say this guy was great on the Cape last summer. 
Yeah, and he, you know, he, his strikeout rate's about 21%, which isn't awful, but it's not light. You know, he is playing better in conference. It'll be interesting. We, like, we did our list. We kind of knocked him down. So I guess it would be about the third round range. And I, I think he probably, I mean, again, we're not trying to line up where you get drafted, but I thought, you know, I could see him moving up. Like, again, I think he's probably a second rounder, but there's, there's just so many of these guys who came into the year as <laughs> supposed to be top college bats. Yeah. And, and the, and the crop as a whole has been really disappointing. Last question for you. Uh, is there a guy who you feel like uh, you like more than people isn't being talked about enough? I, you, you could call him a sleeper, just a guy who you think by the time we get to drafting, maybe he'll go a little bit higher, but for whatever reason, uh, just isn't getting you know ranked as high. You could point to my own list if you want, just isn't getting as much uh, attention uh, from the on the public side of things as you think he should be getting. Um, well, there's two guys we moved into like the twenties on our list and I, I don't have your list in front of me, so I'm not sure where you had them. Mm-hmm. And so I, 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 I'll give you a third name, but like Peyton Stovall, <laughs> I, I'm agonizing over Peyton Stovall a little it's bit. It's a tough one. Yeah. Coming into the year too, Keith, he was literally one-on-one on our 100. We, we, put ah. about five, <laughs> we snuck about like five, like infielders who could really hit high school guys onto yeah. the end of the list. And, and I just ran out of room for him. And he was, you know, less athletic than some of them. And, you know, he, I mean, he's hard to rank anyway. Cause like you have some guys to tell you, he might be the best hitter in the Midwest college or high school. Mm-hmm. I had one scout who's done this for a long time and said best swing in his area since Todd Walker, who you know, was the number eight overall pick in the 94 draft is probably the best hitter I ever saw in college baseball. The eight or nine years I was on the beat for baseball America. Mm-hmm. I, when, when he said that, I was like, Whoa, like, Todd Walker, it's pretty high standard, but at the same time, like there's people who even question a little bit whether Peyton Stovall can stay on the infield, right. like, like he might be more of a left fielder. So, so he's a tough one. So, but I, I think people like his name's out there. Um, did you, did you have him on your top 50? What did you do with him? No, because of the position, right? Because he's a yeah. high school second baseman with kind of heavy feet. And if he's a left fielder, like that's, how many high school left fielders do you see get taken who are exactly. 180 pounds? How, how many high school second basemen do you see get taken? Yeah. Right. Well, we don't like that demographic. Baseman. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that, now what if it's, what if he's not even that it's tough? He would be on the hundred, right? I only did 50. Yeah. Absolutely would be on the hundred. And I think having him on, you know, if he'd been on my 50, like there was a case to be made. For yeah. Him. I mean, I, I basically, I was just like, it was funny because we moved him up even. And I told Jonathan, like, let's just bet on his bat. I've heard too much good about his bat. We'll bet his bat. How about um Will Taylor? Do you, do you have Will Taylor on your he list? He was almost exact. You have him 26. I had him within two of that on yeah, my I, list too. It's funny because coming into the year, so we get, we get a lot of feedback like you do on our list. So before the season, we did the top 100. I think we initially had him like around 40 and we got feedback. Oh, it's too high. Not sure how much impact there is in the bat moving. You know, so we moved him down to like 62 or something. And th- this guy fascinates me, Keith. Um, you know, I, 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 I wrote that, you know, baseball might be his third best sport. He might go in the first round. I mean, but yeah. you know, he's, he's a quarterback who, you know, led his team to the state title, South Carolina, five, a state title, 32 touchdowns. He's supposed to play slot receiver at Clemson, Dabba Swinney, keeps comparing him to, um, to Hunter Renfro. I mean, uh, so you have that he's won. Um, I, I haven't followed up. I don't know when the state wrestling championships are this year, but he, he was a state champion, 152 pounds as a sophomore, 160 as a junior. It's well above average speed. He's not as raw as the typical multi-sport guy is. And he's stronger. I mean, he's strong anyway, cause he's a wrestler, but he's stronger this spring. He's impacting the ball more. So I really like Will Taylor. So then I guess the guy who would be my sleeper 
we've moved him on. Like he's 51 on our list again, I think, because I like him. So I don't know if that really makes you a sleeper if you're 51 on our Well, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll well, <laughs> I'll give you two names. Sure. I'll give you one high school, one college. Noah okay. Miller, um, who's Owen Miller's little brother. Um, he's one of those those sweet swinging middle infielders that we that we did get on our preseason top 100. And I think he can play shortstop. I, I think he's got a chance to play shortstop. It seems like it. Next yeah. level. So, like, yeah. um, I feel like he's a little underrated just because I, I do think he's one of the better high school bats in the country. Um, not that you're going to draft off demographics, but, you know, Wisconsin's done a pretty good job producing players in recent years. And he's another one. I think he's got, you know, 15 homer power, maybe more than that. He's a switch hitter, high baseball IQ. So it's not like unbelievable physical tools, but it's pretty good tools. And he can really hit. and can really play. So I like him. And mm-hmm. did you have him on your 50? I did. He was on my 50. Like okay, right so, so he's not underrated. I'm trying to figure out. And then the yeah. other guy, and I think you, I think you had this guy on your list. Yeah, what's crazy is one of the best areas of talent in this year's draft, mm-hmm. especially if you go college hitters, is second baseman, which is just goofy. Yes. Um, like there's, I, I can list like eight or ten college second baseman. I have the country. I'm actually when there's so many, I'm wondering. I I have two guesses which guy. Well, you're it's bring it's, it's not. I know. I know. Like so, I do the Midwest and the Southeast minus Florida, okay. and I know you have Tyler Black and Connor Norby on your list because oh, I, yeah. I, I those I are the two, two guys. But those aren't the two guys. I actually, okay, who you got? Yeah, you Peyton Wilson at Alabama. Yes. Whose brother? Whose brother? Listeners may know because it was Ross Wilson, right? From what was the TV show? Two a days. Yes, I think so. Like, I think right, they had the, the show about the high school football team in Alabama. Yes. Yeah. But it was his oldest brother, John Parker, who actually set records at Alabama as a quarterback. Oh, Although wow. I think Ross was on the show as a quarterback. Yeah. And then he went and he shares the freshman home run record at Alabama still with Jeremy Brown of Moneyball fame. Yeah. 15. And so anyway, Parker is like super, I mean, I'm Parker. Peyton is yeah. super intriguing. He's, he's eligible as a, a COVID freshman because he's a 21 year, what would have been a 21 year old sophomore. So he was a part-time player last year, catcher and center fielder moved to second base this year. And he's a switch hitter. We've got him as a 65 runner, 65 arm. Mm-hmm. Um, he can hit, he's got some sneaky power. He's one of those guys who's a little, you know, five foot nine, he's aggressive, but he barrels the ball. Um, and I think you could play him a bunch. Of, like, I'm kind of curious, and I don't know the answer. Like, if he's a 65 runner with a 65 arm, like, why isn't he playing shortstop for Alabama? Or why wouldn't they consider that? Like, it seems like you have the quickness and arm strength. But, like, he legitimately has a chance to catch, although I think that would beat up his tools some. But he could play – I mean, there are, how many guys are there where you're talking, this guy could be a catcher, a second baseman, or a center fielder? It's, he's like the – kind of like the Harry Ford, who's a, who's a high school catcher in Georgia, as you know, uh, of the college ranks, but he's, he's just super intriguing. And it's like, for whatever reason, like, I think Ryan Bliss, who's at arch rival Auburn, who's a shortstop who probably will move to second base in pro ball. Like, it seems like Ryan Bliss is more famous, but I actually like Peyton Wilson a little bit more as a prospect. So I'll, I'll go with Peyton Wilson. Good choice. My guest today has been the great Jim Callis. You can he is, you can find his work in MLB Pipeline. You can find him on Twitter at Jim Callis, C-A-L-L-I-S-M-L-B. Jim, thank you so much for joining me. Now, that was fun, Keith. I wonder if we, had, if we had nothing else to do and no time limit, how long we could go talking about the draft. Oh, probably a couple hours. At least. At least. Yes. And I would learn. I would continue to learn things. Well, it, I, I like when I mean, we, we talked to, you know, we, we kind of, you know, talked to a lot of the same people and I think approaches in a similar fashion. But still, it's, it's, it's always interesting getting different, you know, different perspectives on what people are hearing. It's, uh, yeah, we could, I, I, I would put the over under. I bet we could go at least three hours uh, talking draft. Yeah. 
Probably. That's all for this week's show. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe, everyone. Wear your masks and go get that vaccine.